Yo, Life Church. <laughs> man, wasn't that music great? I, I almost said, hey, let's keep it rolling, man. Great are you, Lord. We poured out our praise. Man, that was so good. So good. So refreshing. So um, we hope you enjoyed it. Nicole mentioned it on the screen earlier. Um, you want to pick up a set of notes, um, and if you're watching online, there's a way to do it. You can go to the church website, lifechurchmh.com, and there's a, a video player, and, and the notes are posted right there, or you can go to the church Facebook. Uh, there's a link in the comments section. So we want to make it as easy as possible for you to uh, connect with us at Live Church. So how's, uh, how's it been going with COVID-19? It's been a long time, hasn't it? I think it's been longer than people assumed it would be. Seems to be hanging around. And uh, just having restrictions placed on you can, can wear you down. It can. It can. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. COVID-19 may look like it's getting bigger and bigger, whatever the case may be, but can I tell you something? That God is bigger yet, and uh, we have to stay connected with God, keep Him in, her, in perspective, man. He is bigger than anything, and so when you compare Him to COVID-19, it kind of dwarfs it, and uh, that's where we're putting our hope and trust. We're not putting our hope and trust in doctors or you know, uh, whatever the case may be, we're putting our hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, you want to stay connected with him by reading your Bible uh, consistently daily and allowing him to speak life back into you. So, yeah, um, take full advantage of that. Jean LaRue, yeah, he's got, a, he's got a French name, living in the United States, talks about the time that he was working with the ministry Love in Action. Love in Action is a ministry for which people who are caught up in sexual addiction. And John went to a group meeting one day. He had never been involved with a, with a group before, and he wasn't really sure what to expect. And so uh, he goes into, into this particular room, and man, there was a good-sized group of men who were gathered together. Well, one of the men went up front to uh, share his story, and he talked about driving home from work one day, and he was passing an adult nightclub. He said, I really wanted to stop. And when he said that, uh, a bunch of hands from the dudes went up in the air. And John didn't know what was happening. You know, he thought, who would be asking a question during a story like this? And then the guy continued his story. He said, I didn't want to, but I pulled into the parking lot and I went in. Again, some of the guys in the room raised their hands. And the man went on. Um, I spent the evening there. And then he went on confessing some of what he had did at that time. Again, men in the room raised their hands. And the man went on. When I left, I felt so ashamed, I didn't think God could love me. At that point, almost every hand in the crowd 
except for Jean's, went up in the air. And Jean couldn't figure out uh, what all these questions were about and why none of the questions were being asked or answered. And the director, after the session, could see that Sean was somewhat frustrated, and so he went up to him, and he said, Sean, you look troubled. And he said, man, I am troubled. Why were there so many questions, and why didn't anybody try to answer them? And the director said, oh, no, he said, you don't understand. We have one rule at Love in Action. You never struggle alone. So if you have ever struggled with the same thing that someone else is confessing, you have to raise your hand. <laughs> you have to raise your hand to say, man, I, I, I've been there. I, I know what you're talking about. You see that? Yeah. So today I would like to encourage all of us, maybe we should do some more hand raising hmm? with the people that God brings into our lives. Maybe, maybe instead of pointing our fingers at people, maybe we need to put our hands up and say, you know what? I can identify with you. You're not going through this alone, man. And so um, um, I want to encourage all of us today. Uh, Lord, maybe we need your help to raise our hands, to encourage people around us that they're not alone. You know, maybe, maybe you're a man who uh, was part of a Christian community and you went through a divorce and all of a sudden they gave you the left hand of fellowship or maybe you were um, a parolee who opened up about your your past mistakes and you were no longer welcome in that community or maybe you're an addict who finally became honest about your addiction and instead of uh, offering support um, people gave you shame instead you know, that's too bad. So today, how about you? How about you? What's going on in your life? What's going on in your life? You know, it's easy to judge other people's weaknesses and compare ourselves with others, and we justify ourselves because maybe we don't look as bad as that person we're looking at, you know, and we point our finger at them. Um, and today, uh, we're going to be looking at a text in the Gospel of Luke, where we can identify with uh, one of two people. And I want to encourage you to uh, go to the book of Luke right now, chapter 7, and uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 36, okay? So um, hopefully you have a Bible, and uh, let's go there together. Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping, and her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, hmm, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. And she's a sinner. What's he doing? He's pointing his finger at her. He's looking down at her. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. And there he goes again. Look, friends, man, check this out. 
You may not say, you may not be saying anything, but you may be thinking some stuff. And I want you to know, we just see it here once again, once again, Jesus knows exactly what you're thinking. You, you may think you can fake God out, you know? You keep it in a dark place. God knows exactly what you're thinking. And here again, Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon didn't say anything. He thought, and now Jesus is answering his thoughts. And he said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. I have something to say to you. So today, we are believing that God has something to say to each one of us. Because if we come into this place, or you're watching today, and you think you've got your act together, you know, and you don't need God to say anything to you, we're, that's a dangerous place to be. It really is. There, there should be a red flare hitting the air to get your attention to say, man, not good, not good. I need, I need to... I need to seek the Lord. I need to have the Lord look deep inside me to see what's going on because that's a wrong attitude. So before, before we jump in uh, with our notes, let's uh, once again talk to the Lord. Father, we thank you again for your word. It's so practical, Lord. It's so relevant. Even going through this COVID-19, you're fully aware of what each one of us is going through, Lord, the, the stress, anxiety. Some have lost jobs. Some have lost businesses. Um, some have lost lives, you know, relatives that have passed away. And the uncertainty of the future, Lord, it, it messes with our equilibrium. But it's so good to know that we can come to you, the rock. The rock, man. You never change. We can put our life in your hands. And I, I just, uh, Lord, we do that by faith today. We put our life in your hands. And we ask that by your spirit you will talk to us and uh, point out anything in our lives that may be hurting you, grieving you. And so we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your notes, hopefully uh, you dialed in, pulled them out. Uh, this morning's talk, well, today's talk is entitled, Jesus, a man, and a party crasher. So there's three characters we're going to zoom in on today. Jesus, a man, and a party crasher. And the subtitle is, Jesus receives two responses. Jesus is in a place, there's two different people that are uh, the light is, is on them, and uh, we're going to see how they respond to Christ. So, number one in your notes, someone going through the motions. Verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Simon's invitation to Jesus, uh, it wasn't in a good place, by the way. Um, here's, here's the thing, Simon invited Jesus into his house. Why? Because he wanted to trap him. He wanted, he wanted to, to um, embarrass Jesus. It, it, so there wasn't the right motivation here. Um, but he, let's flip that. Let's flip it. Jesus loves you so much that he went to the cross to 
shed his blood, that's a blood sacrifice that was necessary for the forgiveness of our sins. And he did that, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Why, so why did he do that? Because he created you, he loves you, and he wants to hang out with you, not for a day, you know, not for a two-week vacation and then take off, but for all eternity. Think about that. So Simon, this, this Pharisee, this religious dude, he's inviting Jesus into his home, not because he wants to hang around him. He wants, he wants to trouble him. He wants to harass him. He wants to pick on him. And uh, that's not good. And when you read this, te- this text, you, you get the sense that this Pharisee, Simon, by name, very proud, very arrogant. And the Pharisees tended to lean that way. Uh, that was a characteristic that, that uh, they felt very comfortable with, that they were so spiritual in the eyes of every community that God must be proud of them. And anybody who, who was not a Pharisee, their nose grew so long like Pinocchio. Whoo! And Use it as a pointer to look down on people. It's a sad situation. And you know what? We see this Pharisee asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Would you go into an environment like that, a hostile environment? Would you feel comfortable doing that? Hmm? Would you? <laughs> I don't know about you. I sure wouldn't. <laughs> Not me. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't vote to go there. Let's, uh, uh, let's say I can't make that dinner appointment tonight, you know. Sorry, I've, I've got a busy schedule. I would have come up with something, man. But Jesus, no, he, can I tell you something? Even though this Pharisee, Simon, had ulterior motives to trap Jesus, here it is, Jesus loved him anyway. He loved him anyway, and he wanted to spend time with him. Why? Because he wanted, and he was hoping that Simon ultimately would put his faith in Christ. That's why he did it. So Michael W. Smith uh, was visiting Billy Graham a few years back in North Carolina. At the time, Billy Graham was 94 years old. And uh, in their conversation, it turned to uh, Billy's funeral. Billy knew that his time was uh, running out on this planet. And so they started talking about his funeral, you know, uh, plans for it. And Billy told Michael that he hoped that Billy's name would not be mentioned at his own funeral. Can you imagine that? And Michael kind of had his breath taken away when he heard that. And he said, what? What do you mean? And Billy said, I hope only that the name of the Lord Jesus be lifted up. Think about that. Billy Graham, who, who preached to 215 million people in live venues, plus, plus hundreds of millions of people via uh, media, you know. Uh, Billy Graham, who, who influenced presidents for, for decades, and consistently was near the top of almost every most admired uh, person list, 
I don't want my name at my funeral, man. I want everything to be pointing to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something, man? Billy had a picture and a relationship with God that was so big and so great, when he put himself next to God, he saw himself in a rightful position. That God was great, powerful, almighty. And um, I don't know about you, but that sure encourages me. Those who walk in humility, God is able to use. Well, that's not what's going on in Simon's house. He's got a a pride issue. And um, (laughs) imagine going to, you know, you've been invited over to somebody's house. The door is open, no screen door, no storm door. That was the culture back then, too. And... um, you know, you check your, your your GPS and the address is there and the door is open. So you, you've been invited. You knock on the door, even though it's open, and nobody responds. And you take a peek in and everybody's watching television. They don't even notice you at the front door. And so you just kind of stand there for a while and um, nobody's asking, hey, can I take your coat or inviting you to come sit down with them? They, they, don't even, they don't even turn to look at you. What would you do? Well, you might stand there for maybe 67 seconds, and then you turn around and walk out, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's what you'd do. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Even though he comes into Simon's house and there's no hospitality given to him, Do you know what? Jesus could have been offended. He could have had his feelings hurt. And we, as Americans, we are so good at having our feelings hurt, you know? Maybe we should look at Jesus' life. Jesus was not offended because he realized there was something bigger going on in this environment that was so hostile against him. And... um, Number two, somebody, someone desperate for Jesus. Here's, here's the cool thing. So Simon's going through the motions, you know. Hey, Jesus, come on over to my house. And he's just kind of messing with Jesus. But someone desperate shows up for Jesus. Look at verse 37. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume and then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. And her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So, so once again, if you've been tracking with us for the last couple of weeks, the, the culture in the Middle East in this time, when your door was open, uh, people from the community were welcome to come in and hang out. If your door was closed, that meant you wanted some privacy. So Simon's door is open. And this woman does not have an invitation to come into Simon's house. And she shows up anyway. Why? Why? Well, let's read verse 37 again. She heard he, Jesus, was eating there, and she brought something with her. Word got out, once again, word got out, and you kind of wonder how it got out. Can I tell you something, that each one of us as followers of Christ have a responsibility to get the word out that Jesus is walking into your life. 
on purpose and for a purpose. We have a responsibility to get the word out. And we don't know who got the word out to this immoral woman. But let me tell you something. It, the payoff was huge. You, you may think, you know what? Uh, I don't think my life is making a difference. And it, maybe it feels that way. But can I tell you the eternal results? You leave those up to God. Because if you don't see it happening, can I tell you something? God is always working. And you can trust them to do that. So, in those, in those days, uh, houses of well-to-do people, and we know that the Pharisees were financially set, um, they would generally have a garden, a fountain area, a courtyard, where they would go eat their meals in, during the heat of the day. It was just, you know, very, very cool place. Uh, I want you to look at this image. Uh, it's Christ Church Guesthouse right inside the old city of Jerusalem. And I, I have to tell you, this is one of my favorite places to go uh, in Israel and to stay. And there's a reason for it. So this is, uh, this is Christ Church Guesthouse. Let's go to the next one. That's the courtyard, man. And I've been there. I sat there. Look at, you see the vines on top? Doesn't that, don't you wish you could go there right now? I do. Man, I love that place. The food is so good. But when you're sitting there, the birds are singing. It is so peaceful. And you're inside the old city, man. And I tell you, there's a lot of noise out there. But right in that courtyard, it's a cool place. And one more. Yeah, there's, a, there's this happy dude right there. He's all alone um, sitting down. He's probably waiting for his dessert. So anyway, that's, that's kind of a picture of the courtyard that uh, we were looking at. So, um, you know, I don't have a courtyard in my house, but I have a deck. And then uh, on those warm days, I like to go on my deck and eat my lunch. It's a fun thing to do, so... Yeah. Anyway, when the rabbi was in town and he was having a meal, people from that community, when they found out, would come. With that door being open, they would, they would come to hear the wisdom that this rabbi would have in conversations and in teaching. And so, um, unlike Jesus, this woman was an uninvited guest. Let's take a look at... Um, uh, Again, the culture. The, Jesus is uh, reclining, and this is an artist's rendering. Um, honestly, I don't know how these people did it, you know? I, I really don't. Uh, one time we were invited over to somebody's house for Chinese food, and they had to sit on the floor. And I tell you, I couldn't enjoy my meal. I, it was like torture. To sit on the floor. My body's not made to sit on floors. It's made to sit in a chair. And so this reclining, you can see they lean in and they lean on their left elbow. Their legs are behind them. Why? Because in that culture, feet were considered dirty. You know, you, 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 don't have, you didn't have asphalt and concrete sidewalks to walk on. They were dirt. And a lot of times your feet were dirty. And again, when you went into somebody's house, they would wash your feet. But your feet were considered dirty, so your feet were put, placed away from the table, and then you would eat with your right hand. 
So with Jesus' feet behind him, that's the image now that this woman, this immoral woman came behind and she knelt down by his feet. And you read um, more details about what she did. Verse 37, a certain immoral woman, some translations call her a sinner, um, but it's a specialized term meaning that she was known for her sexual promiscuity. She was openly immoral. Uh, Most likely she was the town prostitute. I would think that this woman, not knowing her, you know, when she grew up, what kind of family she came from, but with all the re- these relationships and her experience in life, she came up with a zero. It, it wasn't fulfilling. And I'm sure when she first heard about Jesus, there were doubts in her mind. You know, could he forgive me? Would he forgive me? Maybe I'm so dirty, you know, in his eyes that he would never forgive me. And she had doubts about him. Who could forgive me? You know, who could ever love me for who I am? How sad that is. How sad. And I'm sure she went through that whole... I wonder, I wonder, I doubt, I doubt he would love me. I doubt he would forgive me. There was that battle raging. Some of you, in fact, today are are feeling those same thoughts, you know, those condemning thoughts, the finger pointing in the back of your head. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. God could never love you. Oh, my But we see that the Bible doesn't even give a name to this woman. She's only known as a certain immoral woman. Imagine what it'd be like if people knew you only by your sins that you have committed. They don't call you by your name. They call you by the sin that you're known for. How sad that would be, huh? Yeah. You're only known by your sins. That's your identity. And to everybody's amazement, when this woman comes into Simon's house, she stands at the feet of Jesus and takes this alabaster jar of perfume and pours it on his feet. And she kneels and starts weeping. (laughs) Oh, my. We see that this woman... earned her living by being a prostitute. Now she's in Simon's home, and she's got an alabaster jar of perfume that back in those days it would would be um, a year's wages. So it could be worth $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 worth of perfume in that jar. And what she was doing was she was coming to Christ And she experienced his forgiveness, and she was placing her trust in him. And what was she doing? She was pouring her income for the next year out on his feet. No government backup, you know, if you're unemployed. No no payments, you know. Uh, If you're in poverty, you're in poverty. She took what she had for her future, and she poured it out on Jesus' feet. 
out of gratitude. Wow. Didn't know where her next dollar would come from. And um, Simon, flashback to him, proud, arrogant. He doesn't need Jesus. He's there to trick Jesus. The immoral woman comes in. She's desperately in need of Jesus, his forgiveness. She needs him as a savior. She sees herself as she really is. That's a problem for a lot of us. We don't, we don't see ourselves in need of Jesus because we think we have it together so much. Some people think, you know, I know God's forgiven, but I can't forgive myself. You know, when it comes to our past, we may feel like we don't deserve to be forgiven. And um, I like this. Uncle had a conversation with his two-year-old niece several years ago, and he asked her, do you know that you are the prettiest girl in the world? Yes, she said. Do you know that you're the smartest girl in the world? And she said, yes, I do. Do you know that you're the best singer in the world? Oh, yes, I do. And then her uncle asked, how do you know all these things? And she looked up at her uncle in his eyes and said, my daddy told me so. Hmm. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your heavenly father is speaking to you. He's telling you things about yourself how precious you are, how much he loves you, the plans that he has for you. And we should echo what this two-year-old niece would say. How do you know? How do you believe that? Because my heavenly father told me so. Isn't that good? Hmm? That's so good. And so um, here's the deal. This woman came in with a lot of baggage Can I tell you, it didn't keep her away from Jesus. So many people get hung up in the process, you know, with with their past or whatever, and they think, you know, they're they're working their way. But this woman with a horrid history did not prevent her from getting to where Jesus was. And here's the thing. Who does she go to? She goes to Jesus himself with a room full of Pharisees. You know, guys who think they they have it together. And what does she do? She brings her life and puts it right in the light. Jesus, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Forgive me. That's what she did. As long as you and I stay quiet in our sin, you know, we, we, we tuck it away in the dark place in our life, you know what? You'll never experience victory. You will never experience the great love of God in your life. Because here's the thing. You keep that sin in a secret place without, you know, you think, well, I'll confess it to Jesus alone. You know what happens? It's easy to fall back into that sin. It's the sin confess, sin confess, sin confess. That cycle. This woman went public. We need to confess those sins to the people that we've hurt, offended, along with confessing that to Jesus. Because when you bring that sin into the light, friend, you will 
most likely not go back and do that again. Why? Because you've put it in the light. As long as you keep it in the dark, it's easy to fall back on that. People carrying that secret sin, wow, it's a terrible thing. When I was in college, we had chapel every day. And I can tell you that um, uh, going to a Christian college, it's, it's not a perfect environment by, by any stretch of the imagination. And I think even with Simon, you know, who was a religious dude, um, sometimes when you go to a Christian college, uh, people get this attitude, you know, I'm at a Christian college. I don't need to pray today, and I don't need to read my Bible today. I'm in a Christian college. I'm in a safe place, you know, blah, blah. And they rationalize and justify whatever. And so uh, even going to chapel, man, every day I got to go to chapel today. Whoa, you know, woe is me type of thing. And uh, one day, one of the chapels, after the music, after the singing, a professor comes up and he confessed to the entire student body an addiction that he had. And he asked for forgiveness. When he was done, a student got up, walked to the front, and confessed a secret sin in their life and asked the student body to forgive them. This went on for over two hours. Something broke friend, something broke. There is something about confessing your sin, and if, if somebody knows about it, you should not only go to Jesus, but you go to them, and you make it right. If they don't know, then don't go. But if they know, you need to go. You're bringing it into the light. You're asking for forgiveness. And I'm telling you something, man. That day, they shut all the classes down. And spiritual renewal went through that place. It changed the the spiritual temperature on that campus. I experienced that firsthand. I saw it. So I want to encourage you to um, um, come to Jesus and just like this woman She came freely, and she was so desperate that she was honest, and that honesty liberated her. It liberated her because she was able to work. I just love this. I love this. She knelt behind his feet, weeping, and tears fell on her feet. She wiped them off with her hair, and she kept kissing his feet, and putting perfume on them. Why? Because she experienced the forgiveness of a holy God. Forgiveness. Forgiven. When you're forgiven and you realize that you have been reconciled back to a holy God, you can't keep it inside. You worship passion. You can't keep your hands down. They go up because you are so grateful for God's forgiveness 
and you tell him how great he is and how good he is. Man. And so, there we have it. Mark Batterson tells about pulling out his old highlight tape from playing basketball in high school. His dad uh, spliced this tape together. (laughs) You know, every three-point shot Mark made, his dad got it. Every dunk he made, he got it on tape. Every rebound, he put it on tape. And so when you... uh, when you saw this tape, you'd say, this guy has got to be the best basketball player I ever saw. He never misses. <laughs> well, anyway, his dad made this copy of uh, his the basketball highlights, and he sent it to college recruiters. And um, Mark um, had gone to uh, a secular university on a basketball scholarship, and uh, during, after his first year, he, uh, he felt like the Lord said to him, I want you to go into full-time ministry. And so he transferred out of this school and went to a Bible college. And so, uh, so he's at his Bible college, and he, Mark went to the shelf, and he pulled the tape that his dad had made of you know, his high school career. And uh, Mark was having lunch with an 80-year-old friend called Wiley. And uh, they were cooking burgers together one afternoon. And, and so Wiley watched the tape and, you know, his mouth, he just, the jaw went down like, holy smoke, Mark, you're amazing. How come you're not playing professional? You know, you're going on and on. And what Wiley failed to realize was that um, this tape wasn't a, you know, it was a variety of games, a host of games, a compilation of his high school career of games and, uh, you know, for the moment, Wiley thought he was the greatest basketball player on the earth. And in reality, Mark's dad made Mark look better than he was, didn't he? Yeah. Isn't that exactly what our Heavenly Father does, too? You know, all of our turnovers, all are deleted. You know? Every shot that we miss in life, it's edited out. It doesn't show up on a tape. It doesn't show up in the box score. Why not? Why doesn't it? Because it's been edited out by our loving Heavenly Father, hmm. the perfecter of our faith. In Hebrews ten seventeen, it says, I will never again remember their sins. The Lord is saying, once you've confessed that sin and it's forgiven, I'm never going to bring it up to you again. I'm, I'm choosing not to remember it. And so when, when we confess our sins to the Lord, Guess what? God is editing. He's editing. And it's not just our sin that's edited out. His righteousness is edited in. Yeah. The sin is taken out. His righteousness is replaced inside us. So he sees us as holy. This woman, this immoral woman was no longer seen as immoral in the eyes of God. She was seen as holy and righteous. Because of God's forgiveness. That's why she celebrated with worship and gave liberally of everything she had. I want to encourage you to do that today, man. I sure do. 
You can, you can line yourself up behind this religious guy, Simon. You know, he's got it together. He doesn't need a Savior. He's going he's gonna to make fun of Jesus. He's going to make Jesus look bad because Simon is so spiritual and good. Or you could see yourself as this woman needing a Savior. Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness in my life. And so today... As we close down, I want to encourage you. Romans 3.10, no one is righteous, not even one. Do you know what that means? That means not even one. (laughs) Not even one means not even one. It means you, me, we're not righteous. And righteous is God's perfect standard. So none of us can ever measure up. And in Romans 3.23, everybody sins. What's that mean? Everybody is everybody. Everybody has sinned. One sin is enough to keep you out of heaven. One sin is enough to keep you out of heaven. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Hmm. And so, today, what has God's Spirit been saying to you? Do you see yourself as Simon the Pharisee? You know, you got it together. I don't need Jesus. I, I am so good. God must be proud of me. Or do you see yourself, I need a Savior. I need Jesus to forgive me. And when I experience his forgiveness, it will radically change my life. And so very simply, Lord, Lord, I, I can identify with this woman today. I'm a sinner. Sin will keep me away from a holy, righteous God. And I know, Lord, you love me so much that you sent Jesus, your one and only Son, to the cross to pay for my sin debt. I could never earn it. I could never be good enough. Could never do it. You paid my sin debt in full, and so it's a gift. It's a gift, and I need to receive that gift. And so this today I'm going to receive that free gift of salvation. And so I ask you to forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, just like that immoral woman was forgiven by you. Forgive me. I'm confessing my sin to you. Right here, right now. So thank you, Jesus, for becoming my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sin once and for all. Thank you for becoming my spiritual leader. And by your Spirit's help, Lord, I will live for you for the rest of my life. Yes, Lord, with your help, I will live for you the rest of my life. So thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, if you placed your faith in Christ, you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Your name has been added to the book of life. And we celebrate that. And we encourage you to go to lifechurchmh.com 
there's a form that you can fill out. We'd love to get information back to you explaining what it means to be a follower of Christ and how you can grow in that relationship with him. We'd love to give that info back to you. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.